Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join guest minister Keith Hershey for today's message. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you. Thank you so much for the privilege of sharing the weekend uh, with you. And uh, what a great season to come to uh, Wisconsin. My father actually lives in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And I told him I was going to be here in Menominee, and he invited me to head his way. I didn't have time to drive the six, seven hours, whatever it is, to find his little his little village in uh, the, the UP, but uh, I just uh, love this season of the year and, uh, of course, this part of the country, and so uh, it's a great joy, great honor for, for me to be here. I want to say thanks, really, too, because I'm, uh, I'm an extension of you in the nations of the world, and sometimes uh, uh, people, I think in our routines of life, we don't understand the, 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 the power or the, the beauty of how God knits people together. You know, we're set in a body. And you all have had your hearts triggered enough to be set in a local uh, fellowship of faith-filled folks. And your lives have meaning one to another. I just enjoyed even, even shaking hands, giving little hugs to people, meeting people. And I think just gathering weekly and, and receiving the love of the Father and, and worshiping the way you all... You all have a great worship band here, by the way. You're blessed. I think I'll take them on the road with me. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, to, the, to, to different places. But no, I was just so blessed and refreshed in the songs and the message and the spirit, the heart of, of the church as you worship. But you come to, to receive the Father's love and, of course, love him in return and being taught and trained. And I have great respect and admiration uh, for your pastors and uh, just love them. And, and uh, Heidi and I are so honored uh, for our friendship and fellowship. But we've come to say thank you for allowing us to be an extension of your love and life in the nations. And so I just want you to show you what you've been up to in other places on the planet because you're planted in this place and through your offerings of, to the local church, uh, your church is involved in other places through the prayer and giving as well. So let me show you through our corporate mutual faith what we're doing in some of our campuses around the world. Let's watch this video. love these pictures of celebration in the heart of the Middle East at our annual Kingdom Fiesta. You know, friends, we have to remember that God loves you completely. That is the gospel truth. So just be loved and enjoy his celebration over you. That's true, Keith. There is nothing like knowing the unconditional love of God. And this is the message that we're continuing to take to the nations. It's all who thirst to win. All who search will find what their souls long for. The world will try, but it can never fail. So leave it all behind and come to the well. So bring me your heart, no matter how broken. Just come as you are When your last prayer is spoken Just rest in my arms a while You'll feel the change, my child When you come to the will It's all who thirst will thirst no more And all who search will find what they 
the Lord. Isn't that cool? That just kind of shows you all over the world. People need to know that they are loved completely. And uh, you know, that's a hard truth for people to understand. And those were our six campuses in different parts of the planet uh, over these uh, many, many years together. In fact, Heidi and I, uh, we're going to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary in, uh, in December. And uh, we met at Bible school actually in, in, uh, in Oklahoma a long, long time ago, 1981. And uh, then got married in December of 1982. And uh, after, after we were married, you know, uh, I, Heidi, Heidi knew I had an assignment in my heart for the nations. And God opened a door uh, six months uh, after uh, we were married to move overseas. And we lived actually in Africa most of the time, but traveled in many, many nations and Africa and the Middle East and Europe and things. And uh, after one year of ministry in the nations, we came back. To, to the United States, and uh, I bought an old car for $3,600, and I drove around America for six months, and I asked the Lord to touch the hearts of people, to show them I held something in my heart for people in other places, and somehow we always had gas in the car, and, and food to eat, and people would take us in, and <coughs> precious pastors were kind to just a young, a young guy, and uh, we're still in business for Jesus, but it's great churches like yours, people like, uh, like you who are gathered here at this uh, great church, Liberty. So we want to say thanks. We're still in business uh, for Jesus. But you, you see the whole concept of that video is called beloved. It's the term beloved. You know, that's the only place you're accepted. The Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, that you're accepted in the beloved. You, you belong there. See, this is the only place you're going to be comfortable it's the only place where life will have meaning. It's the only place where you feel like it's a good fit. Everything else in life is a struggle. So I like to tell people to find their beloved position. And uh, the way I try to explain it is my, my little Hersheyism, the way I kind of use phraseology in words. I take one word and I made it two words. The way I know I'm in the beloved is when I'm being loved or beloved. I tell people just be loved. Get over yourself. Stop your addiction to yourself to make you think it's on you to gain your approval before the Father. See, most people think that their acceptance before God is based on them. It's like God's in heaven and I'm in earth. He's perfect and I'm not. He's holy and I'm not. He's just and I'm not. And I have to qualify before Him and stand before Him. It's really a frustrating thought because I don't know how to imagine qualifying myself before the Father. And so most people, in fact, if you walk through Menominee today or went to different shops or restaurants or down on the college campus or something, most people, if you ask them, think God's pretty grumpy. 
You know, most people think God's going to get you, that he's just full of judgment and he's just about really like he's in heaven with a big fly swatter and looking down on the earth and just going to get you here. And, you know, like he's like he's up there keeping records, you know, like, oh, there goes Keith again. He had a bad thought. Oh, my, my, I saw Keith there on that L.A. freeway. That was really naughty. He, <laughs> he, he, you know, most people think God's keeping a score, keeping keeping records of our wrong. But see, the whole equation, the way man should perceive who God is, should, should, should be found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the icon of God. And so I, I am learning that the world's view, and many people that go to churches, their view of God being angry and going to get them, it, it's all changed because of Jesus and because of the wonderful work of Calvary's cross. So I want to talk to you about being loved today. I want to show you where you belong. It's so simple, it will excite you. It's the thrill of hope. It's, it's how you find yourself before the Father, not based on you, but based on the one you belong to. You know, if God sees me, if I'm this stick figure, I can't qualify on my best day. You know, the Bible teaches that if you fail in one point, you're guilty of the whole load, you know? So on my best day, even as a gospel preacher, I can't qualify based on me. But Jesus was provided as the perfect sacrifice in the bridge, you know, so I can find favor with God, righteousness before God in everything I'd ever need. My faith in Jesus gets me out of myself and into himself, and now God sees me in the beloved. When you're accepted in the beloved, you view God through the finished work of Jesus, and it gives you rest. God views you through the finished work of Jesus, and then when you're in Christ, the finished work of Jesus says about you from God's point of view that your sins have been forgiven by God and your sins have been forgotten by God. I think it's absolutely astounding because God had that view of me before I got here. My sin was forgiven at the cross and I went around then. Now 2,000 plus years later, God views me in Christ, so take your place in the beloved and find yourself acceptance uh, there before God. Let me show you just a few things from the scripture. You can follow along in your Bible. They may have the scriptures on the screen as well. But go with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This is kind of the Christmas story, but look at it. It says in verse 8. It says, Now that we're in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Let's pause for a moment before we go on in this text. I, I think this is very important to understand. Here are these, these, these young shepherd boys. You know, they're country kids. They're like me. I grew up in Michigan. I'm a, I'm a farm boy. I, I, I was raised out in the country in an old farmhouse. I raised farm animals. I was a pig farmer. And uh, that was my great ambition in life, you know, is one day to have, you know, a, a big farm and, and uh, th this kind of thing. So I know what these guys were like. Now, these were Jewish boys, and the Jewish people had a covenant with God. The way they found their favor with God was if they could do good. And be good. And, you know, it's tough for we farm boys to do good and be good. All the farm boys I knew were like me, just a little bit kind of on the edge. Just not, not enough self-control, a little bit of temper, you know. All the weaknesses and frailties of my humanity. None of you can relate to this. I'll just talk about myself. But, see, I know what these guys were like, okay. Now, they were working the night shift, okay. They had a job, thank God, in our economy now to have a job is a good thing, you know. Uh, just to have be employed is good, but they had a job. They were keeping uh, watch over the flock by night. Let's go on to the next verse. It says, And behold, 
the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Why do you think they were afraid? They were afraid of a visitation or a manifestation of God because they didn't know if God had good news or bad news. You know, people that say they want a visitation of God, they really don't. They only say that when they have a happy church face on and say hallelujah. But see, deep down, people are built on condemnation and judgment that they didn't do enough. They didn't pray enough. They didn't help enough. They didn't whatever enough. Or they did something a little naughty or a little on the edge. So they always are guilty before God because in their minds, they still think their qualification before the Father has everything to do with them. You know, your qualification before the Father has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus in the beloved. So just be loved. So now these guys, they shrunk back with fear. They were greatly afraid. Why? Because there's a manifestation of the presence of God. The angels were there, and you never knew what God was going to say or do. So it goes on to say in verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now let's pause right here, because this to me is a mission message. You say, Keith, why do you go to the nations of the world? Why do you invest in people and help people, and especially people that may not like us, or people that are, you know, do things wrong or whatever? Well, because the news that God's you know, providing access to him based on another, it's got to be told. It's happy news. It's good news, and it brings great joy. Whew. This will absolutely make your heart happy. It's good news, it's great joy, and it's to all people. Now, all people means all people. That means good people and bad people. Nice people and naughty people. Hmm? Rich people and poor people. Black people and white people. Yellow people and red people and brown people and pink pe people, right? It's good news for Republicans. It's good news for Democrats. It's good news for Hezbollah. It's good news for Hamas. It's good news for socialists. It's good news for communists. It's good news for people. See, every human being has to have a way to hear and know that it's okay. All is well. You don't need to get worked up about yourself. You can find yourself in himself and change the whole equation. Look at it goes on to say in verse 11. It says, there's uh, born to you this day in the city of David, David a Savior. Now, last night, those of you that missed the teaching, you ought to get it. I'm sure the church has it somewhere uh, from last night, or maybe they'll post it. But a Savior, you know, a Savior saves you. A Savior doesn't, like your pastor said, condemn you. A Savior doesn't judge. A Savior doesn't sink you. I told the story last night in my teaching about a Savior and when I was rescued as a young boy swimming in the lake in Michigan, and a Savior, a lifeguard, professional person, saved me. Now, when the, when the, when the lifeguard saved me, the lifeguard did not chastise me or rebuke me or make me feel minimal. The lifeguard brought no condemnation to me. The lifeguard didn't come to me to sink me and tie more weights around my, my feet and just let me go quicker, you know, to the bottom. The lifeguard saved me. Jesus is a savior to people, and he's a savior to all people, and it's all been thrown through the cross. Look at it. It goes on in the next verse. It says, uh, this will be the sign to you. You're going to find the babe wrapped in swollen clothes, lying in a major, and suddenly there was with a heavenly host 
uh, a multitude praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, on earth, on earth, on earth. Everybody say on earth. Now, see, that's where you are. That's where I am. Now, we're in Menominee, but we're on earth. This news is for folks who are on the earth now. This is for you. It's for all people, and it's for people on the earth. If you're still in your body and you're on the earth, this is for you. And on earth now, there's going to be peace. That's the term like shalom, where there's nothing missing and nothing broken about your life. There's peace and goodwill or favor toward men. Toward men, not among men. Do you know Jesus said when he came to the earth, he said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. You know that among men, if you mention the name of Jesus, it makes a few folk mad. Have you noticed that? If you go anywhere in a public place or in a school or a university or, you know, anything, if you say Jesus, everybody gets a little worked up because Jesus stirs the pot. Jesus said their mother against daughter, father against son. The contention that Jesus brings among men. So Jesus coming to the earth isn't to bring peace and favor among men from God. It's to bring favor toward men from God. Here's the deal. God's looking down at the earth and he's not mad at you in all your mess. He's mad about you. Because he's provided a place where you can be seen as perfect and righteous and holy as Jesus in Christ or in the beloved. And so the only way people have faith to move out of themselves into himself, the only way is to know the massive love of God. So faith functions. Faith works by love, right? It's God's love for you. It's not your effort really to work up enough love for God because that gets a little bit exhausting. And I'm not quite as consistent with my love for him as he is in his perfect consistency of his love for me. So what I try to do in my little life is just continually be loved. I focus on his love for me and I find my love for him now is a reciprocal. It's triggered in me without, without, without effort because in my good days and in my bad days, in my nice days, and even if I've been a little bit naughty, I focus on God's love for me. When I've done perfect and when I haven't done quite as perfect. I focus on his love for me, and it always reminds me I'm accepted as I am. Not as I need to be. I'm accepted before God as I am now because God doesn't see me for me. He sees me through Christ. He sees me because of the blood. Now think about these these farm boys for a moment, these Jewish shepherd boys, they had a law that they had to perfectly obey to be blessed. And if they couldn't do all that was written therein, there was an attachment to the law called a curse, the curse of the law. And that's a bummer to get an attachment. You ever get an email that has an attachment and you don't know who the email's from and you're afraid to open the attachment? Because it could be a virus. It could be something to really mess your world up in terms of your technology. And so you don't open an attachment that you, that, that you don't know if you're going to enjoy, right? You say, let's just keep this at a distance. We don't want that infection in our system. Well, if you couldn't obey properly before God based on your own effort to the law, there was the curse of the law. There was always guilt and shame and condemnation on your mind. And so these guys, these shepherd boys, think about it. When the angel appeared, you know, they drew back greatly afraid. Why do you think they were afraid? Because they knew they couldn't qualify. Let's say it was me, 
Okay, let's say I was one of those shepherd boys in my, in my the way I was as a, as a country boy, okay, in, in Michigan, raising my animals and, uh, you know, working the fields and these kind of things. I would already know I'm guilty if I just saw to the Ten Commandments, for example. My goodness. You know, I've taken the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, I've cussed the animals out, the dog out. The, you know, I've, 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 I've violated the Sabbath. You know, a Jewish person couldn't take so many steps on the Sabbath, let alone anything else. So I, I, messed the, I, I probably dishonored my parents. I wasn't always the most respectful person to my parents. I mean, maybe to them because I was afraid of them. But when the, the conversation went over, I, you know, I had a few bad things to say. But none of you are like this. This is why I like you all so much. You know, I, you know, I probably coveted, you know, somebody else's farm, tractor, or animal, you know, how they get the, whatever, you know. And so I've only mentioned four of the ten, and I'm already guilty of four. Let's not talk about the others because I'm probably guilty too, you know. So let's say I'm, I, there's a manifestation of the goodness of God, and I'm overwhelmed because I can't qualify. And so as a, as a, as a little farm boy, in the Old Testament, thank God I could go before the priest as a sinner. Let's say Pastor Paul is the priest in the Old Covenant. I could go before the priest as a sinner, but I wouldn't go alone. I'd go with a lamb. When I would go before the priest, Pastor Paul wouldn't look to me and say, Oh, it's you again, Keith. Boy, you're screwed up. You seem to visit me about every third or fourth day. He doesn't demean me as a sinner. He doesn't say, well, your dad told me about you. He always said you're never going to mount to anything. You're a screwed up, addicted, good-for-nothing, foul sinner. No, the priest never addressed the sinner. You know what the priest would do in the Old Covenant? Me, the sinner, would go before the priest with the lamb. The priest would not inspect me. The priest would inspect the lamb. And if the lamb was perfect and accepted, if the lamb was inspected... I was accepted. I was accepted before the eyes of God through the priest in the old covenant, not based on me, but based on the one I was in. See, Jesus is the Lamb of God that's come to take away the sins of the world. That's why you never need to fear about your position or your acceptance before the Father. Because it's not based on you. It's based on the one you're in. You are in the Beloved. You are so be loved. Now, your process of in this life with, you know, your frailty, your humanity, your sin, the things that need to change, that happens not just through your, you know, your efforts. It happens by being loved. It happens by being conformed into the very image of his dear son. And you're going to get the victory over these things as you walk in faith through life. But don't discount yourself because of yourself, because your acceptance before God is based on you. Jesus has come to be the Lamb of God for a whole new covenant. And so your approval now with God is not dependent on your performance to the old system that the Jewish people were under, but your approval with God is now found in Jesus' perfect performance to the cross. Oh, thank God for the cross. I love just to look sometimes in view and remind myself of the cross. And behold, the Lamb who qualified me eternally before the Father when I just don't perform adequately. When I get mad at myself and I condemn myself and I judge myself because I could have done more, I could, whatever. But I'm beginning to learn just rest and be loved. And then I find I labor more abundantly in life and even in ministry by the grace of God. That's what Paul said. His, his labor is more abundant from the resting position. I was enjoying the little one over here. 
five weeks old while we were fellowshipping and greeting one another. And I made a comment. I said, what a perfect position. Nothing like a little baby just sitting there thinking about nothing, you know, at all. Fully fed, just resting, just enjoy. You know, this, this is the, a picture of really you and me and the beloved. We rest. Faith is a rest. We don't have to be all worked up about life or about anything else. So Jesus has come, and he changed the whole operating system. Now, I have an iPhone 3, and I don't know how to use it very I, I know how to answer the phone and send text. But, you know, you can do a lot of things with these, these phones. My, my sons, who are into technology, t- told me I need this because everything in our ministry is these Mac products, and they all sync, and I don't know. I don't understand it. But, you know, um, just about a week ago, my phone was kind of dropping some things and doing some things that was frustrating me. So I had my oldest son, Justin, who works uh, for, for the ministry. And I said, Justin, can you help your dad? And, and he said, Dad, you haven't updated any of the new stuff for, for months. I mean, it, it, you know, it took him like a half a day to just download just all kinds and get all the, the mess out of my phone. And then it began to work better, you know. And then he said, Dad, can we go to the Apple store and get the new iPhone 5? You have an old... I said, no, just leave me alone. Let, let, your, dad, <laughs> let, let your dad be an old man for a while, would you? But, but it's the idea. If you, don't, if you don't upgrade your system, everything in life is sluggish for you. See, a lot of people really love God and love Jesus. They've committed their lives to Jesus, but they're still operating in a system that was never really made for them. The old covenant was never made for you. You're based in a covenant that was God in Jesus, and you're in the covenant because you're in Christ. So now the new covenant is not even based on your obedience or perfect work. It's based on the obedience of one, Jesus the Christ. And this is the beautiful thing about the love of the Father in just being accepted. Let me show you a little bit how this works. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Are you all having a good time? Hebrews chapter 10. Go with me real quick uh, to verse 9. Let's look at this conversation Jesus is having with the Father. Verse 9 says, then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Now think about this. Jesus tells the Father, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. Let's pause right there. What do you think the will of God is for Jesus and the earth? Now we could find different phrases in the Gospels where Jesus lived his life. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to, you know, set the captives free. He came to heal the sick. He came to prosper and lift people. He came to do many, many things, and that's all true. But how did he accomplish it? Or how does he accomplish his will in the earth now since he himself is not here? Have, have you noticed Jesus physically is not here? Jesus is seated in heaven. He's not standing. He's seated. His work's done. He's seated at the right hand of Father, and he's interceding for you. What do you think he intercedes? I believe he intercedes that people would just be loved. I I believe he intercedes that the eyes of their understanding would be open to just rest in his love for them and accept the fact that they're accepted and not work so hard in demeaning themselves and demeaning everybody else, trying to qualify to be whatever they think that righteousness is before God. Righteousness before God has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. It's something we gain by faith, faith for our righteous position before God. So I have come to do your will, O God. Now notice the next verse. It tells you what the will of God for Jesus is in the earth. Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first. 
that he might establish the second. See, the will of God for Jesus and the earth was to get you out of a system that was based on you and put you in a system that was based on him. Hallelujah. See, to me, that's so refreshing. It's so refreshing to be qualified eternally before the Father with, with, with me out of the equation. Wow. It's like it's hard to imagine. In fact, some people think, wow, Keith, that's pretty risky. Uh-huh. You know what's more risky? Qualifying based on you. You know, try that out. Let your, let, your, let, your, <laughs> let your mind wrap around that and see how comfortable that is. Because on your best day, righteousness that is acquired through the law is, 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 is uh, you know, or, or the, you know, in fact, the Bible teaches righteousness could not come through the law. Couldn't come through your effort or performance to the law. It only comes through Jesus Christ. So it's so wonderful to know that there's a new operating system. And the Bible teaches a lot about this, in fact, in the book of Hebrews, about this whole operating system, that it was obsolete. It talks about in, in you know, Hebrews 8. It said that God found fault with it. You know, the fault in the first system was that you and I had to perform. So the, the weak link in the whole deal before God in that first system was the human race. So God changed the system and provided the perfect one. To, to, to validate the human race if they could trust and believe in what he's done. And that's a beautiful thing. And this is, this is the joy for me of doing ministry in the nations of the world. If you ever come with me to Lebanon, you know, we, I mean, we, we have our school there. There's about 80 kids. Some, uh, we can have up to 100 kids. But, you know, they're all Muslim. Many of them are Muslim or, or Hezbollah kids. Not all of them, but, but, but many of them, a great, a great uh, number. And it's great to see all these Muslim families come onto the campus. And, uh, you know, they're all in their Muslim head scarves and things. And they come to all the meetings. And it's so exciting to stand before people and not condemn none of them. I never tell people what's wrong with them. They already know. Uh, I, I, I tell people what's right about them. You know what's right about every person on the planet? You have the capacity to believe in the one who believes in you. If somebody could reveal to you that you're right before God right now, if somebody could say to you, God's got nothing on you, and shock your system enough to understand the work of the cross, so faith rises and you say yes to his yes for you. Wow, everything about life changes. And this is the beautiful thing about our transformation, too. And that's why I love missions. And that's why hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people right now even, you know, sometimes we have as many as 86, 87 people a day getting born to get on the streets of Beirut. Muslim people. People say, Keith, aren't you afraid of, you know, people being mad? Why, 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 why should we be afraid of people being mad when it's good news, it's glad news? If it's shared in a way that has no you know, condemning you know, uh, elements to it, and you just say, hey, friend, you're, you're, you're pre-approved. You're pre-approved for it. Yeah, you like to go someplace and somebody tells you you're pre-approved for something, you don't have to qualify. I'm in the middle of trying to refinance my, my house to a lower interest rate. And uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's like nerve, right? It, it, it brings fleshly elements out of me. And I'm a nice guy, you know what I mean? And, and I get so frustrated. I said, this is crazy, you know? And it's taken like forever. And uh, it's still, still not done because they're looking to me. But what if I had a very wealthy man come alongside? You know, somebody like, you know, like, like Pastor Paul. You know, somebody that was just... <laughs> 
like a billionaire. You know, I mean, I'm looking for somebody who's just massively loaded. And what if, what if somebody just put their arm around me and said, Keith, I got you covered. And somebody said, I'm co-signing for Keith. You know what? The eyes of the bank would be off me and be on the one who pre-approved me. See, this is what Jesus did for you. That's why you don't have to ever live disappointed with you or those around you. You can see them through the finished work of Jesus Christ. But that requires your faith. And this is the beauty of being blessed and being pre-approved. When I flew here yesterday, um, I had a connection in, in uh, Denver before I came to Minneapolis. And I fly, fly out later today. But, you know, it's interesting. When I fly a lot around the world, I always fly uh, coach. I'm very frugal in these kind of things and cheap. And, and uh, at least my wife says I'm cheap. I say I'm frugal. But anyway, um, uh, you know, when, when I fly, I fly I, I, I'm, I'm qualified with the mileage programs and things and different things I'm a member of, where even though I'm in an airport, I don't have to remain in the just general terminal. You know, when you fly, let's say, let's say uh, well, recently, in fact, Heidi and I on Wednesday of this week, uh, after this pastor's conference I was preaching at, we met with a, a man, his name is Floyd, he and his wife, a little restaurant. He's, he's traveled. He's about 80. And he's traveled to many of our campuses. And he's retired. But he likes to work with his hands. And he's built things for us and things. And he's a precious, precious brother. But he asked uh, recently to go to the Middle East with me because he had never been there. So I said, yeah, come along, Floyd. And then he got nervous because he watched the news. And uh, so he said, well, Keith, I, I'm a little nervous about this. And I said, well, that's okay. You don't have to go. I said, do whatever you want, Floyd. It doesn't matter to me. But I said, Floyd, if you want to go, all you got to do is follow me. Because if you follow me, everything's going to be all right. I said, Floyd, if you follow me, I will give you a better experience than you can get, get on your own because I can get you into places you can't qualify for. Now, I was talking about traveling and, and, and these kind of things. And so he decided to come. Now, let's just use for an illustration that Floyd and I are going through the first airport of a couple that we have to go through to get to Lebanon. Now, when you go on an airport, you know, an airport's called a terminal. You know, terminal is not always that positive of a word in certain senses. You know, if you went to the doctor and the doctor said you had a terminal condition, that's, uh, that's not good news. It's hopeless, right? So when you go into an airport terminal, it's kind of hopeless. <laughs> you know why? Because you're inspected. Everybody looks at you like you're a crook, huh? like you're a terrorist, like you got something. You know, you're hiding something. Pastor Paul was telling me a little story coming in about, you know, being in the airport and, uh, you know, flying back to Minneapolis or something. And they kept checking his bag out or something because he had some cupcakes or something, in it, you know, and they thought this could be like an, a dense, you know, bomb or something, whatever, you know. But you go through an inspection. See, religion always inspects the people. And you feel condemned because you're just not that good before God, not a holy God. Not a righteous guy. You just can't qualify. So religion always puts eyes on yourself, and you become a nitpicker. You become a fault finder. Nobody loves to live with a nitpicker. Just keep looking straight ahead. Nobody loves to, to live with a fault finder. No, no, you know, even, even some people, they nitpick themselves to pieces. They, they, they never can please themselves. Everything is just wrong or something's wrinkled or something's out of, you know, and, and precious ones that are addicted to themselves concerning their position before the Father never find peace. They always have condemnation because 
they're, they're, they're in a terminal environment. They're hopeless. See, when you go through the airport, like now when I go back to the airport this afternoon, I'll go like this. I'll take off my shoes, take off my jacket, take off my belt, empty my pockets, take, take out my watch, take off everything, keep my pants on. Hallelujah. But I take everything. You, you basically, I mean, you strip down. I'm just used to going in, spread eagle. Hey, the gospel preacher is here, you know. And, you know, they patch you down, they go through these x-rays, they, they scan you inside and outside, whatever, because they're, they're, their eyes are on you. That's the picture of religion. You always feel dirty. You always feel like, boy, I could have done that. I could have prayed just a little. I could have prayed. I could have read, you know, six chapters. I didn't even read a verse. You know what I mean? You always condemn yourself. God must be mad at me. I wonder if I'm backslidden. And you have these thoughts. I, I bet God's really irritated. No, no, no. God sees you not for you. He sees you in Christ. Just be loved. Just be accepted. And it's interesting. As soon as I get my bags after the inspection at the airport, I hold my head up high. Because even though I'm in the terminal, I'm not of the terminal. <laughs> even though I'm in the world, I'm not of the world. There's a heavenly realm called the executive lounge. Wow. And when you get into the executive lounge, the doors open. The atmosphere instantly changes your first step in. Different music. Different sense of calm. Nicer furniture. Many times buffet meals to eat. You can eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah. Everything is courtesy. You pay for nothing. Now, when I go through the executive lounge, I give them my passport. Let's say I'm on my way to Lebanon now with Floyd, remember? I give them my passport. I give them my ticket. I give them my details. They put it all in the computer. They look up from their judgment desk. They look at me and say, Mr. Hershey. I say, yes. They say, you're welcome. Have a good time. Enjoy. I say, thank you very much. I take my stuff. I begin to walk in. They say, oh, excuse me. They say, what is it, Mr. Hershey? I say, see this guy right here? And I point to Floyd. They say, yes. I say, he's with me. You know what they say to Floyd? Welcome. They do not take his passport. They do not take his identification. They don't know if he's naughty or nice. They don't know if I really even know him. They don't know if I picked him up at the bar in the terminal. They don't know if he just cussed somebody out. They know nothing about Floyd, but they don't see him for him. They see him in me. Hallelujah. See, this is a picture of your access before the Father. Your acceptance before the Father has to do with Jesus. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Behold Jesus. Receive of his love and just be loved. Get over yourself. Just take your place in him. Accept the fact that you're accepted. And when you do, everything about your life changes. You know, people always say, Keith, well, what if, what if, what if, uh, you know, what if Floyd was a little naughty? Can he still get in if he follows me? You know, Jesus just told you to follow him. You know, if you're going to follow somebody, you have to look to them. If you take your eyes off them, you get distracted. You know, if you followed me back to the airport in Minneapolis today, there's a lot of traffic, a lot of different things, construction, whatever. If you don't keep your eye on somebody and look wrong way, you can be in the different lane, wrong lane. I could have got off at an exit. You, you, you didn't know what happened. And then see, people who don't keep their eyes on Jesus and look to everyone else, particularly themselves, always live nervous because they really don't know where they're going. And they're really not confident they're going to get there. See, that's why a lot of people don't have assurance about their salvation or assurance about heaven because they're depending on them. 
Don't depend on you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the one you're with. Huh? So love the one you're with. Isn't that a good song lyric? Song? Anyway, but <laughs> love Jesus. You know, <laughs> he loves you. And, 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 and just, just keep your eyes focused and fixed on what he's doing for you. Let, let me show you something that's kind of cool because people always ask me, well, Keith, how, how do people change? And I mean, if it's true that a good old boy like you is accepted before God when you failed in four of the Ten Commandments, how can that be? How can somebody be accepted before God? Can they still then just do all their sinning and all their stuff? Well, since he gives place for the devil. You know, when you sin, it just opens the door for the devil to have a heyday and just absolutely come to steal, kill, and destroy you. So you, you want your victory over sin, but the way you get your victory is not in your own effort. And your victory over sin just isn't to qualify you because you're qualified through the blood. So your victory over sin is just from beholding and following and being loved. Because as you look to Jesus and what he's done, you're transformed to be like Jesus. You act like him. I love when people tell me, you know, my sons now are, are uh, in their 20s and, and working. But I love when people tell me little resemblances of my sons. Or if they have a mannerism I have. Or if they think in certain ways the way I think or do things the way I do. Because they followed me. They've looked to me. Now, a lot of things they probably disagree with me on. And that's okay, too, because they need to be there who they are. And there's room for that. There's always room for that. And so you can't, you can't be disappointed in, in things where there's a different expression and different giftings, these kind of things. But, but it's important to always behold and keep your eyes on Jesus. The way Floyd would change if he was uh, doing something bad would be by beholding me, looking to me. It's just the way you and I change, by looking to Jesus. Let me show you a verse real quick, and then we're going to be all finished. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul the Apostle is writing, he says something cool. Look at it, he says, But we all, that would include you and me, with an unveiled face, behold as in a mirror, but say mirror. You know what a mirror does? It, it shows you how you look. You know, this morning, I slept, I slept in a little late. I was just exhausted. And, um, and so I didn't get up, and, and uh, you know, I didn't get up, and... Pray three hours before the service. Sorry, uh, I, di I, didn't, I didn't do it. Didn't, didn't, read, didn't read a lot of chapters this morning. I was exhausted, and I, I rested. I rested until about, uh, about a quarter to nine, and which was a quarter to seven, my, my, my body time. And I've had a couple very, very full, long, hard, difficult days, and I was just exhausted. So I slept till about a quarter to nine, and then I was going to get a little something to eat at the little breakfast thing in the hotel. So I looked in the mirror, and I got scared because I had such a terrible, bad bedhead day. You know what I mean? I mean, I look absolutely fully possessed. And, and I just put, you know, my blue jeans on, a shirt on, and I went down there because I wanted to put the fear of God in the people. No, no. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I went down there, got a little something to eat and a little, little you know, cup of coffee or something. Got together, went up, took a shower, got ready and, you know, fired up and just thanking the Lord for his love and prayed, glory to God, here we go, let's go to liberty. Yeah? But, but the thing is, the mirror, if I didn't look in the mirror, I wouldn't have known how bad I looked. Because my eyes can't see here. 
Do you know your eyes have never seen the fullness of your face? Because your eyes can't see here and here and here. Your eyes, your eyes can't see that. The only way your eyes can see your face is through a reflection or through a mirror. You know, mirrors don't always tell you the truth. Have you ever looked in a department store and tried on a little outfit and you stand in front of a mirror and say, my, 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 I've lost some weight. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a slimming mirror, right? And then you offer to buy the mirror. You say, I don't want the jacket, but I want the... Uh, because, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, because... You know, or have you ever had a magnifying mirror, one of these contortion type mirrors or something? You look in and you're all twisted and goofy and you got a nose about this big or whatever, you know. I mean, so mirrors can lie to you. But see, now the, this verse says, we all with an unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. See, when you follow Jesus and you look to Jesus, he becomes a mirror to you. But when you look to him, you don't see you. You see him. See, the mirror of Jesus gives you a reflection of him in you, in you, in him, or who you are in him, in the beloved. As you behold him, you find your acceptance. Because your acceptance and validation before God has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. So as you behold Jesus by following Jesus, all oh, as I said, Floyd, follow me. And you're going to have a better experience than you can have on your own. He was accepted to a heavenly realm, not because he was good, but because they saw him in me. They saw him in me. I was Jesus in the illustration. He was the human race. If you follow Jesus and look to Jesus and accept that you're accepted, you just go in. Wow. And there's comfort. There's peace. There's joy. You behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and you're being transformed. See, my change in life, my victory over the four failures of those Ten Commandments as my illustration of the little farm boy, my victory over cussing and swearing and doing whatever was naughty, huh? my victory is in my beholding. I'm transformed by Jesus in what he's done. You're being transformed into the very same image of what you're looking to. You're being transformed into who he is. In, in, in nature, because you have his divine nature in you. You're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you know God's plan for you? In terms, if you like to use these big spiritual terms of predestination and all these kind of things. The Bible says you're, you're, you're predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Wow. See, God's, God's taking you there right now, whether you like it or not, or whether you know it or not. And it may take a season, it's probably going to take all my life and some of, you know, eternity to really understand the glory of God's love for me. But I'm, as I'm walking these days, whatever years I got left or time I got left, I say, thank you, precious Jesus. Just give me the confidence and the courage to look and say yes. Help me to believe I'm accepted. Accept the fact that you're accepted. What if Floyd, what if Floyd was a little bit naughty? What if we were in the London Heathrow Airport and I'm going, man, I'm going straight to where I belong because I was just inspected through security again, even, even in a transition of, of planes. I'm inspected through, man, I get, get my eyes off myself and that dirty feeling and I'm going to where I belong. Even though I'm in the terminal, I'm not of the terminal. I belong in the heavenly realm, the executive lounge. So I'm going to where I belong. I got my eyes set, but Floyd's following me. My wife always says, Keith, you walk too fast through air prayers. I says, come on, baby. You know, or let me, let me put you in a little cart and I'll push you, whatever. But come on, I, I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I, I want to be where I belong. So I'm going to go. Let's say Floyd started looking around. Now he took his eyes off me. See, when you take your eyes off the cross, you're in trouble. No wonder you feel guilty. 
No wonder you always don't do enough according to your plan or religious preaching or religious thinking tells you. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's say Floyd starts looking around at all the lights and everything because he'd never been to London. Nothing wrong. Let's say he sees a duty-free shop. So he stops thinking that I will stop. And let's say he's going to buy some European chocolate for his wife as a gift and bring it home. And, you know, he buys some, you know, whatever, a Hershey bar or something. Anyway, he buys whatever he, he, he needs. But, you know, as he's looking, you know, there's other things in a duty-free shop. They're not all sin or anything. They could just be weights to distract him. Let's say there were some magazines that aren't always nice. You know, or maybe just a little risque, let's say, in all exposing. Let's say he saw something that, that made him have a, a bad thought or something. Now he feels guilty. So see, Floyd, part of the human race, feels condemned. And then he says, oh, Keith, where's Keith? And Keith's gone, and now he's nervous. And then he thinks, I bet Keith thinks I'm a terrible mission guy. I'm a big sinner. I'm probably not even saved. I'm terrible. I should not have come on this mission trip. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm bad. I'm a bad person. I had a bad thought. Oh, my goodness. Now, no, see, that's what condemnation does. Brings such shame and guilt because he thinks his acceptance with me is based on him. So after he condemns himself for a while, which is the only ministry of the law. See, if your qualification is based on your effort to the law, you will always have condemnation. That's what it says earlier in this chapter of First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 3. Condemnation, and it, it make you feel like you died inside or make you feel like you want to die. And, and, and so then finally he gets out his phone, you know, 10 minutes later in his condemnation and calls me. He says, oh, Keith, 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 I'm such a terrible person. I say, Floyd, just bite your tongue. What's wrong, man? Where are you? Oh, I, I just stopped at the duty-free. I'm bad, bad, bad. I'm a bad person. I said, Floyd, just dust yourself off. Come on, man. Come to the lounge. That's where I'm at. In fact, Floyd, I'm standing at the door waiting for you. In fact, Floyd, I am the door. See, Jesus is the door, right? Jesus, I'm Jesus in the illustration. Floyd's the human race. See, what, what does Floyd have to do then? He has to trust that he's accepted when he feels unaccepted. See, faith is the courage to accept that you're accepted when you feel unaccepted. And so what he does is he begins to walk by faith and fight every thought in his mind about what I'm going to think. He gets to the lounge, the door's open. I say, hey, Floyd, my brother, my beloved one, what's happening? I give him a hug. He tries to tell me what a naughty boy he is. I say, I'll just bite your tongue. Come on in. I have no judgment for him. You know what? When he comes in, I turn to the judges who approved me to be there. I say, hey, my friends. They say, what is it, Mr. Hershey? I say, this is Floyd. He's with me. You know what they say? Welcome, Floyd. They don't, they don't take any identification. They don't know if he paid for the Hershey bar or stole it. <laughs> they know nothing about him, but he's accepted in me. Now, Floyd will change in his life and not have so many difficulties if he doesn't have so many weird little tangents in rabbit trails in his life, in trusting in himself, but trusting in the one he's following. Friends, I want to encourage you, follow, follow closely to Jesus and know that you're loved, you're accepted, before God eternally, because you're in the beloved. Aren't you glad? Did you all like the word? I preached too long. Did you have a good time? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise, somebody. Yeah. Awesome, 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 awesome stuff. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.